episode 190. Oh. Ten away. At this rate, I don't think we'll make it to the, to the end of the year. It'll, be, it'll go into 2020, I guess. No way. I don't know. You think we can no. do it? Oh, uh, we got it. By a mile. We'll just pump out a few five-minute episodes. <laughs> no, I think we're going to get it. No problem. That'd be exciting. I have a lot of confidence. Yeah. Seven years uh, coming up in April. <sighs> I don't know if that's good. Seven hundred ninety episodes in seven years. I think that's a bit. <laughs> it should be a little bit better than that. You know what? I'm sure there's people that would say that it's not impressive, but then if they try to do it, it's not as easy as you think, right? Yeah, it, it's not. That that is uh, finding the time and so forth, and scheduling and. That is a tough thing to do. <clears throat> and the time and commitment yeah. into it. Yeah, I mean, I think when I, uh, you know, a lot of people start that stuff uh, like a ball of fire. You know, they, you know, they think it's, you know, they, they get excited about starting something. And it, what's hard about anything is to stay consistent and committed yeah everybody you know tries to start something or they got these great ideas but the reality is is doing it um it's the quote from doug collins is uh doug collins wow. yeah i got a i got a doug collins quote it's wow. uh Longevity will ultimately determine your success. Hmm. All right. You should uh, print that out and hang it up here in mm-hmm. the studio. <laughs> wow. Doug Collins. All right. Coming in hot. He was a good coach. <clears throat> yeah, I think he did a good job with a lot of his teams. He, you know. We're going to talk about your favorite guy for a second. Phil Jackson? (laughs) Well, I mean, you know that Doug Collins was the coach of the Bulls before Mm -hmm. Phil Jackson. Right. So um, he was kind of the – he's the one that essentially – Phil was his assistant, and Phil took over for Doug. And then that's when they got – they kind of broke through and beat the Pistons and – Won the championship. I guess one of their first team practices with Phil Jackson, they called in Jordan to his office, and he, and I guess he said to him, he's like, he's like, you're not going to run that equal opportunity offense, are you? <laughs> yeah, he didn't want any part of that. But then he he convinced them that that was the difference. Hmm. Phil had to tell him, look. There's better players on this team, sir. Well, he convinced them that it's a, you know, it's a team game. And ultimately when you, you can win games against most of the teams by having one 
fantastic player, but when you start to get deep and and you're starting to play teams that are good, they can they can focus in on on your on your plan. And uh, that not only happened to them, but it happened has happened to a lot of teams through the years. Mm-hmm. And when you're predictable, that's I think that's the difference is when you're so predictable for the whole game in any of these sports. It doesn't even matter if it's basketball or football or you know RC racing. You have to be multifaceted. You know, there there's a time where you're, you know, you you see some guys that race RC and you, you could see the track and you'd say, oh, I know this guy's gonna suck. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's like, what. Yeah, when I was out there, you could tell. Yeah. <laughs> well, you just saw any track. Right. <laughs> Oh, we're at an RC track. Oh, God, he's going to suck at this. Oh, of course. Well, except my local track, though, dude. Yeah, that's right. You were clean, You cleaned up there. Uh, well, I was, man, I was, uh, yeah. What do you call that? Local track star? Local. I don't know what you guys uh, call that today, but. Yeah, what do we call it? Home track hero. Home track hero. Okay. That's what I was. <laughs> yeah. It was always uh, me, Mikey Soodle, Brian Roeder. Brian Roeder, who's still out there today, going around the circuit, so he got he got really good by visiting other tracks. Whereas uh, I went to other tracks and I just took shit. I don't know what it was. Couldn't adjust, I guess. What I think that's what it was. I couldn't. I could not. I could not go out there and just make my car work on a different track. You know what? What I remember from my early days of racing is you know at first i you know in those days you didn't you know realize that there was other tracks you know i went to my first track at at gore in orlando was was called greater orlando auto racers and i I just thought that was the you know the only place there was like i had no idea there was other tracks and you know it was a good track um but um, I remember people saying, well, you know, so-and-so just got back from the Georgia State Championships, and you're just like, yeah, what? whoa, yeah, Georgia. Whoa, Georgia State's, and they're like, yeah, yeah, there's a big race in Tampa. You're like, Tampa? They're like, there's another track? Absolutely. It's hard to, hard to envision that, but yeah, for you young listeners out there, we had no idea, really. Guys, so I remember going, you know, I remember looking at it, you know, going to Tampa and running, and it was just, it was a different kind of track, um, the way they prepped the surface, and uh, kind of a different mentality, uh, you know, down there, and I remember going the first time and just being so intimidated Mm -hmm. of that first And I remember really, I didn't really struggle that bad the first time, but it just definitely wasn't the same. And I want to say that I had a couple, I had a stock truck, a mod truck, and then I had a borrowed stock buggy that I would run. 
and I remember not doing very well with the buggy. I always did okay in truck, but but then it was like I kind of felt like when I went there that I didn't do as well, and I was like, okay, I need to come here and run more because I need to be able, you know, I felt pretty comfortable in Orlando. You know, not that I was the best or anything there at that time, but but I was like, man, if I went to Tampa, I could run, and I feel like that's kind of a weakness, so I need to kind of work on that. So started going there more, got comfortable, and that made a big difference. And because then I could felt like I could bounce between those two tracks, and it was. <clears throat> then it was uh, a much more, you got much more confident that way. Then you find another track, then you go there. And and then it became easier, easier and easier to kind of move around and and try different things. And then to me that became kind of fun, you know, to kind of travel around and, and try these different, different tracks. Yeah. Oh, what happened? They just closed the door. Uh-oh. You okay now? I'm fine, sir. Okay. Yeah, so that was that was fun, kind of traveling around, trying the different tracks, and um, <clears throat> you know, I, I it's really a part that. It's hard to recreate. There's just, you know, if you race something else, you know, like if I did a little bit of monster truck racing or race something else where people don't, people don't know you or you, it's kind of, it's kind of fun. Yeah, I was like uh, in my own little bubble over here, so I didn't really, you know, know what was going on on the outside like you know outside of my little bubble and then uh then i visited my first i think yeah i guess my first track that i went to was uh wagon hill back when they now it wasn't like the location that they were at in the 96 nats it was their very first location which was just like at some farm, basically, and everybody was pitting in the barn and outside the barn and stuff, and it was pretty cool. So I believe that was my first time leaving Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania. And because I thought it was good, so I was like, you know, I was like, man, I'm good here, you know, like I should be able to do. Pr- nah, I got smoked. <laughs> got smoked. And plus, so I, I was nervous, man. So Yeah. I mean,. You know, you show up to this track, and all of a sudden you're seeing all these people there, and you're like, holy shit, this is a lot different than home, you know? Back home, maybe there was 20, 30 racers. You get there, and there's 50-plus, and you're like, oh, my God, and people you don't know, and it was crazy. And I was just nervous, so. Yeah, I remember that, too. You know, traveling around. I remember the first time I went to California, um, I stayed with J.D. Beckwith in Northern California with, uh, and we went to his local track, which is called Hobby Haven. And I remember getting there and I was just like, 
just so intimidated. But when I started racing, I did pretty well. Um, I wasn't, you know, I remember, I think I ran a club race in Modified, and I think I won. (laughs) JD, JD didn't race, JD Beckwith didn't race, but... You know, he, like, practiced, and then he kind of packed up and just hung out or something. But, you know, he was kind of like a superstar at that time, and I just wanted to race as much as possible. And I want to say that I, I think that I won, but I, I brought these really weird-looking, well, weird-looking for me, these weird-looking bodies, because, it like, usually I had blue and yellow you know, orange, white, or whatever on all my cars. And then for some reason I ran a green and black body with stripes. And I called it kind of like my Ruffy Rios paint job because there's a racer in Orlando. He kind of had a green car. So I I think I ran those one or two races, but I have some photos at home. They're kind of funny. But it's, uh, yeah, and we're going there, and I remember kind of doing – pretty well but being really nervous about it and Mm -hmm. then from there the kind of kind of built up like i felt i could kind of go to these different tracks and you know like i kind of had a um i had a chance to to do something it just all happened so fast you know when you think about back then you know, when you were that age and you'd say, tell somebody, oh, it's going to be a year. You're like, a year? Oh. Yeah. And now it's like a year is just like, I mean, you know, we're already in April. You know, we just turned just turned 2019. We're already in April. It's and, crazy, man. Um, you know, we're just, you know, just flies, flies by. And you guys have so many races now. It's unreal. Yeah, I mean, uh, between our Super Cup stuff here in Florida and then our National Series stuff, we have a lot of events. And but can't imagine starting out today. Well, you know, you know, it's Is it easier. I guess it's easier because of the equipment and stuff. But. The issue, the 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 thing that I see that kind of is unfortunate now is. People kind of spread a lot of bad information because information is so readily available now. You know, if you jump on social media or whatever, people just, they believe the strangest things. And I think that's a pretty intimidating factor for people now because they feel like they know, they know too much. So they, they get all this weird information or bad information from people and then they're kind of like they're kind of tainted before they even start. You know, they Oh well I can't go there because I don't have the right car or the right setup for that track. And you're just like, dude, just go. Like <laughs> it's like for you it doesn't matter. Like, you know, for somebody it it's like you have, there is no expectation for you. You've never won anything, you've never done anything. Oh man. I'm not saying you, but anybody. No, I'm saying it sounds harsh. <laughs> but that's how it is. Like yeah. some people act like they're a you know a, a two three time world champion. Oh, I can't go there. I don't have the correct equipment. Yeah, you should be able to it's go like, into that with uh, 
you know. It's like, you know, it's like, well, you've never done anything. There's no expectation. Nobody really. Yeah, nothing to lose. You have nothing to lose. You know, it's like. That's true. Um, so it's like it, it shouldn't matter. You should just go experience it, then make the adjustments um, before ruling it out. I see a lot of people do that now as they they kind of rule it out because. You know, they read somewhere, somebody tells them, oh, you can't even go do that unless you have this, this, or this. And they believe that. Mm. And um, it, so it takes that it takes that first, it kind of limits their first step. Right. So they would rather sit at home and bench race and talk on the Internet than they would have actually trying it because they don't want to go there and, you know, have a result that's not up to their standard, which they have no standard. You know what I mean? Like there's, yeah. they don't, they haven't set that standard yet. Um, you know, it's one thing if you're somebody that has raced a lot and, you know, like you're a, a Mayfield or something and, you know, you can't go to the J concepts carpet race with a rear motor car, you know, because mm-hmm. it's like, <laughs> yeah, that, but that wouldn't work out too well. It wouldn't be a good thing. The funny part is he would still do pretty well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he would. Um, yeah, I think thinking back, that was a good thing about those those days is you could just you somebody said there was a, yeah, say somebody said if there was a track somewhere, you're like, okay, I'm going. Yeah. I just You bring what you got, you make some educated guesses, and you just go and experience it, and Whatever happens, happens. Then you go, oh, next time I go back, I'm going to do this. You would show up and be like, what tires you guys running? You know what I mean? You'd run to the shop and buy them quick. You know what I mean? Or you go yeah, to the hobby or, shop and you say, hey, what works here? And that's what you would buy then, you know? Or you learn the hard way. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Which, you know, that's, um, you know, I think a big part of it is, you know, people do need, sometimes you learn the hard way. You know, I think, and that's, where you learn your stuff because you say, Hey, you know, you know, for me, I would, you know, you would go to these tracks or you'd go to Georgia or whatever. And you, you come back and you say, well, <clears throat> I didn't really bring everything that I wanted, you know, like I should have brought this or that, or I should have had this tire. So next time I go back, I'll make sure I have that. So now you're learning something. Now what I notice is people just try to ask, Hey, I'm going to so-and-so. What do I need? It's like, well, you're kind of the guy that should know, you know, like you're the racer, you're sponsored, you you know what I mean? Like <clears throat> people ask me stuff like that. It's like, hey, what should I bring? I'm like, hey, it's like when I go, who do I ask? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I have to, that's true. like that's part of, you know, you, people are supposed to um, experience some things, look into it and make some educated guesses hmm. yeah so like the other day you know spencer emails me and not that this is the same example i mean um but you know he's like hey i'm going to the world's warm-up for 10 scale and i need front tires because front tires are open um, so i'm like okay i start thinking you know all right, you got. You have to run this rear tire, and usually with that rear tire, these are the front tires. Normally, that kind of go with it, and 
Like, so I'm kind of already mentally making the list um, of what we should send him just based off of my own experience. And, you know, if you had to ask him, you know, he, you know, like when I was talking to him on the phone about it, he's like, yeah, I heard, I think we should, I think we should probably have this, you know, that, you know, he already had kind of some ideas, but sometimes people don't, they don't have any idea. Um, it's like you just got to learn some of that stuff. But yeah, that's that intimidation factor. People afraid to not have the right thing. People just scared. Well, today, though, it's so much easier to get all that info than it was back then. I mean, but, yeah, so th- so they get all the info. Okay. Then then they still make an, uh, an excuse not to do it. That's the part that bothers me because oh, gotcha. it's like, you know, it's like you have all the info. Now you're using the info as an excuse. Hmm. Strange. Yeah. It's, it's kind of tough these days because with all the carpet and astroturf racing we have now there is tremendous differences between the the cars people run so you know if you're getting dialed in for turf or you're getting dialed in for carpet and you try to go run at a dirt track you're gonna struggle a little bit Uh, but i think I mean, to me, that's kind of part of what makes it cool is like making making the adjustment and having some success. I actually watched a pretty cool. Spencer's actually calling me right now. Oh, no, it's okay. Spencer will listen to this podcast. I'll tell him. Take a message. I was watching a. I was actually watching a, a video today on YouTube that I bumped into that I'd never watched before was back when Associated came out with the RC10 GT, it came with a video, like how to tune, kind of not so much how to build the truck, but more about the engine, like how to tune an engine, because they knew that a lot of electric guys were going to get that truck and really not know anything about nitro which i was one of those guys not that i'm some nitro expert now but when when i got that truck i want to say that i said before that it shipped from associated and it showed up at my house on christmas um just the way it turned out and i stayed up all night building it but you know i got an engine and you know, you get fuel and a glow igniter and a starter box, and you're just like, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and then, you know, you, I watched the video that came with the truck, and, of course, you're so into it because it's like no RC cars came with videos back then, yeah, right? right. Uh, well, so the, you just, yeah. you, you know, you're just watching it over and over again, <clears throat> checking it out, and, you know, I, I put it together, and, I raced it the next weekend just based off of watching that video. And, wow. and so, but 
So then with Losi, so that truck came out in like 93, I think. And Losi, I think, were under some pressure from the distributor that they don't they didn't have a, a nitro truck. And they they tried to they made a few prototypes, several prototypes, I think. Uh, one version, uh, you know, kind of fit on one of their current trucks at the time. Then they made another version. I'll that, put let's in this. Yeah, that's the that's the the, the uh, associated video. But what I'm getting to is today I bumped into the one that Losi made. Oh, okay. So when they two years later they released a gas truck. Um, they released a gas truck called the GTX, and it was only available through Horizon distributors. So it was like, so this was in 1995. They had an exclusive with Horizon to sell this GTX gas truck, and it was based off their LXT electric truck. So they did a, when I saw it, it was a 34-minute video, and it was actually a little... I'm sure at the time maybe a little more professionally put together video than the associated one. Um, although, you know, although it's like they're not very good videos either way. <laughs> um, but, you know, everyone has a lot of sound problems. Back then and even today, you know, we're always trying to get the sound right. And you could tell it was a big problem back then even more because, I mean, you're probably videoing it with a camcorder, right? Yeah. But, but yeah, this, like video, a thousand pounds. <laughs> this one was – this video is put together where there's some a lot of action of them driving the truck at the ranch. Then uh, they do an interview with Gil Ossie Jr. talking about what they designed on the truck and – they didn't really say it to the point, but they were trying to say, hey, we made this part better than the Associated. And, you know, oh. like they're trying to, well, you know, they were just trying to show the, the high points of yeah. the truck. Those guys are always Which, at war with each other. And I think, um, you know, they, they uh, you know, explained some of the design stuff with Junior. And it's funny because Junior's so young. I don't know how old he is in the video, but. Oh, my God. Yeah, he looks I'm watching at, it now. He, yeah, he's. Maybe in his early thirties, I would say. Um, I, mean, he, I mean, he's got gray hair in the video a little bit, but he's very young. He does. Let's go through the comment uh, section, see what that's like. <laughs> yeah, that's the hot thing. But so then they go through the Gillespie Jr. thing. Then they go through. Uh, after that, they talk to Jack Johnson, which he was kind of the. It was fading at that point as their top driver, but had always been, you know, it was Junior, then Jack Johnson was the man, and Kyle Reed. Then it went to Kinwald. But anyway, <clears throat> you know, they talked to Jack in the video. He gives some pointers and, you know, hey, you're going to be out here, you know. He's basically saying, hey, this thing will last eight minutes on a tank of gas, and if you run four sessions, you're out on the track for, you know, a long time, so you better work on it. Yeah. You know, your screws are going to fall off, and, you know, it's like you got to work on this thing. So it was kind of nice. Uh, they had a little cameo from Pops at the end kind of just telling everybody 
you know, thanks for buying it. And um, then they talked about uh, what fuel to get and, you know, glow igniter. And it was actually a really nice video. Um, yeah, it looks good. It, and I'm sure at the time it worked really well. You know, they do the same thing as Associated did in their video where they show you what it's like on the street to kind of drive the truck and tune the engine and how to break it in, which is good. But what was interesting is what kind of really stuck out to me about that video was they were really doing this for beginners and people that had never done this stuff before and giving a lot of tips. And and you don't see that at all anymore. Like for any of the like associated cars or TLR stuff, um, they're not – they're not really advertising or marketing the car at all to people that are just starting. Mm. It's it's all targeted to people that have already done it. So, you know, it's like you kind of look at a lot of this stuff and you're like, well, you can kind of see why the success they were having in those days and how it's transitioned to – you're just selling it to people that you're assuming are already experts. Yeah. And back then they were assuming they were novices. And that's a pretty big deal. And you know, now now you have the Traxxases who they assume everyone's a novice because that's who they're selling to, right? Mm. Uh, or beginners or entry level. Um, but now it's like you buy a B6 or you buy a TLR buggy, they're just like, oh yeah, you can adjust the ball stud washers and get you change your role center and it's like you're you're talking to experts you know you're you're giving them expert information yeah um in the back in these days they're telling you um you know how to get it going there's like oh it has an engine oh it has a clutch oh uh you know they're like telling you the basic information which i think is pretty cool um so it's like you know, I hear this, you know, people talk about all the time. It's like, how can we get new people to do this? And it's like, well, it's like, well, we're selling, you know, now we're selling a car to somebody based on the fact they've already done it, yep. not based on the fact that they have never done it. God damn. So, we, right. yeah, I mean, we've moved down this path of just assuming that everybody. I's already done it. And, um, you know, then, so then, if you if you are someone new, you get a B6, they assume you know it all, but you do get it together, mm-hmm. and you get this thing, um, you get this car running, then they're jumping on Facebook, and that's when they're asking these questions, right? And they're like, my car spins out and it does this or it does that and people are given these technical answers and oh well that's because you're on this track you know you're gonna have to have a whole different you're gonna have to have a different setup if you go to this track so it's like you know the, the and probably the reality is they're just not very good yet so they don't know the limitations of the car it's like they just need to make sure that the car is fundamentally correct and then keep driving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, that really kind of weird. I was definitely like watching that video earlier, and I was like, man, these guys were in the driver's seat back then. Um, uh, 
They were the Traxxases. They were all these people back then. And, you know, they've let all that go. They've let all it go to, um, to make a, a, you know, another generation vehicle to win a race, assuming people already have that experience, not, not assuming that you've had no experience. It's kind of, and they just, and they've let Traxxas take over for the people that don't have experience. Yeah. Who's laughing all the way to the bank? Exactly. So, yeah, it was kind of, it was kind of interesting. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, you're actually, if you watch that video later, you're, you will like, I, I liked watching it. Oh, I love that old stuff, yeah. Yeah. I, I have it queued up, ready to rock, so I'll yeah. check that out tonight. Yeah. I'll post the yeah, link in the show notes. Then we got... I really should watch the associated ones. You know what's funny is the associated video appears to be 35 minutes, and the Losi one's 34 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> it's like wow, like they were right on top of each other in terms of what they were. The the part I remember about the associated GT video was it, the surrounding stuck out to me so much because I spent at least. For somebody from Florida, I spent a decent amount of time there. So they're just they're right in front of the building at Associated doing this video. And Gene um, is actually filming. And you can hear Gene that, like, he gets excited when the the tuning turns out as they wanted it to be. Right. So you can you can you can hear him like, oh, that was perfect. You know, like because they they said, all right, now if you richen it up too much. It's going to do this. If you lean it out too much, it's going to do this. And then they would punch the truck and drive, you know, and it would do what they wanted it to do. And you could tell he was excited. That was like, all right, that's a perfect take. You know, like, we got it. We got it. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, Gene was definitely kind of ahead of his time with his videos because. Sure was. He used to go to the races just to video. And he kind of, and he, um, it's a little different from the way we do our stuff today because we, we go and we do more of a coverage standpoint where it's like, you know, we end up videoing races even if our guy doesn't win. Um, whereas when Gene was doing these, he did it entirely from his team's perspective. So, mm-hmm. you know, like he would put it together. You know, when he put it together, it was based off of, you know, their guys winning a race. Um, of course, he, you know, there was times he had to show if they didn't win, but but it's like, you know, the majority of the footage, uh, you know, is based around their team, which is cool. Yeah. Hmm. It's like a diary in a way. And then Trinity with the Evolution, they had the uh, Joel Johnson on the uh, tape. You know, I've never watched that one. I'd kind of like to see that. Yeah, let's, let's see if that's on YouTube. YouTube's so great. It is. You know what I got into watching the other day was, I, I, I don't know how, I think it's because I went, <laughs> I, I went to the, 
you know, that Metallica concert a couple weeks back. Oh, yeah, that's right. And, you know, so I was obviously listening or watching some Metallica stuff on YouTube, and then a video came up that said, um, what makes this song great? And it's it was made by, um, the guy's name is Rick Beato. He has a YouTube channel where he talks about everything music. So I don't really know Jack about music. Jason was doing research to find out who this group was before he went. <laughs> I'm like, who is this? <laughs> All right. There's a song called Enter Sandman. Uh, so that's what's funny is this guy does a review essentially on that song. And this guy is like a, you know, a producer and he's oh. been around music forever. And he's just like technically just amazing with uh the music so he has the ability to break these songs down to where it's like okay here's the the guitar track here's the you know the bass here's the drums here's the vocals so he can break it all down and he can explain like how they're playing this stuff and what it sounds like you know um isolated so he can isolate the drums he so he shows you all this in the video and like i've been like hooked on that watching these for all these different songs he does it's just been really cool because i'd never you know i'm not like a musician or but i I like listening to his details and it's just it's amazing he has amazing detail for these songs and being able to show you how it was played and how it was put together and you know he's like you know stopping the he'll stop it and say all right you hear that and you know he'll say that you know this this happened that happened and he's really good at saying telling you that you know you know the days of I guess there's a program called Pro Tools that they that they put music together with now. So if you you record a session and you like it, you know, it's like, hey, we do the you know, there's the vocal section or the chorus or whatever and you want to, you know, repeat that part later on in the in the song, they can just drag and drop it, you know? Hmm. You know? You can so they can do all these things with this, uh, but that didn't start till like 2000, I guess is what he's saying. Like in the year 2000 is where these programs became available, where you could do all this, all this kind of work um, to edit and put together music. And so, so he's doing these old songs like from the 70s and 80s, and he's he has to stop every now and then. He goes, now remember, he goes, this is all. He's like, you gotta, he'll isolate the vocals and say, this was all recorded in one take. He's like, so you can, and you can hear the, the singing part and it's, uh, it's all in one take and you can say, yeah, and he's showing you that. And he's like, you know, this was before Pro Tools and before you could do this and wow. before you could do that. And he's like, these are performances. Like, he's like, this is just amazing stuff. And, so it's cool, yeah. Check, you'll you'll be into it too. Like, check out the what the first one I saw was, what makes this song great, uh, and just type Metallica, and then you'll see the, 
the first one I saw, which is so now you got two things to watch. Okay. Yeah. It's cool. Like it's just tremendous amounts of detail and information and Yeah, it's uh Rick Beato, right? Beato. Beato. Yeah. Rick Beato. B E A T O. Yep. On YouTube. Subscribe. Tell them really I got the podcast. Wow, he has almost a million subscribers. Jeez. Yeah, so you can tell that it's pretty good stuff. You know what's amazing about this video? I'm watching the GT one right now, the RC10 GT associated video, and I I haven't watched this in forever. And I used all these techniques. Like basically, Curtis has Curtis has the engine out on a table. They got all the parts of the how to assemble, you know, the air filter and put everything together on the vehicle. You have to oil the pre-filter. You have to put a tie wrap on the bottom. And he's showing you how to set the linkage, which was so big. I can't believe they didn't do this in the Losi video, setting the linkage. That was, you had to be, that was important. Oh, they didn't do that, right? No, they didn't, and not that I remember, they didn't show you how to set the linkage. That, that's what was good about this video is it shows you, actually they got a zoom up of the truck here and they got, you can actually see it has a machined transmission case, not a molded transmission case. What minute mark are you at, sir? I am at 719. Okay. Yeah, they got a zoom up here at the top. They got an engine in the car. He's telling you how to set the electrical this is where I learned too. When you when you touch the screwdriver against the metal piece, mm-hmm. the yeah. truck would glitch back then. Oh. When you had the radio turned on and you touched with your screwdriver, you touched that. Right. That's the brake lever going back. If you touch that, that truck would glitch. <laughs> I don't remember why exactly it did that, but yeah. But if you look at the transmission case here, which is there's a wire running over the top of it. That's yep. a machine. That's a machine transmission case. Oh. So they so they filmed this. They filmed this before before the truck was done, which is smart. Right. Because they're like, we got to get this video done. We got to get it processing while this truck is finishing. So so here he's opening up the carburetor. I'm at uh, eight twenty four right now. Yep. He's showing you that you open up the carburetor wide open. And you don't want it to go past, so he's telling you to set the endpoints here on your radio, so the carburetor only goes full throttle, and not past, and it extend the arm, and then go back to idle, and then you set the brakes. But yeah, I remember this is how I did it. I set my stuff up just like this, and I brought it out to the track, and it freaking ran, and I was like totally amazed. I was like, I can't believe this works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Crazy. And I won with it. Yeah. Never even did it before. Showing you how to get the, he's showing you got the, how much restriction there is. Then you pull the throttle and then it freewheels. Because you got a little bit of brakes on to hold the truck still. Mm-hmm. So then you pull the throttle and the brakes. So now he's going to show that. You start to push the brakes in it. 
This is going to be fun to watch later. <laughs> I got that and the music. The, I see this music video. This uh, or the um, breakdown of the music. He has a whiteboard and everything. This, this is exciting stuff. Oh, wow. This is an edit. I've never seen this part. So, like, they must have edited in a different truck here. What minute mark you at? Uh, it was about 10.02. Um, they were showing a, a, a different generation truck. But now they're kind of back to the original video. Like, for a split second, they showed a completely different vehicle. <clears throat> so they, there must have been a... a, a they redid the video many years later. I think they just recommended a J Concepts body for this. <laughs> That's weird, man. What the heck? He's telling them to. Now he's explaining how you open up the win- window so you get airflow through the engine head. Ah. They cut out the whole front windshield in this video, but we only used to cut off the left. We used to cut out the left side only. Oh. Where the engine head was, but you know he's got the whole window cut out on the driver's side. He's got a cut out for the stinger. Maybe you want to do that if it's really hot outside. The whole window. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's this. All this stuff still applies because you know we were at a race recently where you know Mayfield was trying to get the most power he could out of his truggy and get it to run cool and. You know, he was cut, you know, we're like, he's like, just cut out all the windows. Hmm. So I like cut out the left side, cut out the right side, cut out the windshield. He's like, I don't even know this is legal. Then he goes and looks at the Testman's truck. <laughs> he's like, if ties is cut out, I'm cutting mine out. Yeah, that doesn't make it legal, but yeah. Yeah, he's just like, because he goes, I know. <laughs> he's like, if mine's cut out and there's not. We're, we're good, yeah. Yeah, so now we got fading into Cliff out here on the street. Cliff's probably, this is probably 93, so he was probably 35 here. Jeez. <clears throat> it's funny how people, when they, um, when you get older, you don't move as fast. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I do know what you mean. I feel like right you there. watch these videos. <laughs> <laughs> what was the meme that was on the other day where it was something like? Um, I remember when I was a kid seeing professional athletes retire at thirty, and I was like, "Wow, they're so young." Oh yeah, yeah. He's like, "Now that now I get out of bed, and I'm like, oh, now I understand or yeah. something." Did, did, did you see uh, Adam Gase's uh, quote about Tom Brady still playing? No. That uh, was good. Adam Gase, the head coach of the New York Jets now. It's so funny, Cliff. They asked, they asked uh, Gase about Brady still playing, and Gase says, uh, what, they asked him, when do you think Brady will retire? He says, I don't know. Gase said, uh, when I wake up, I feel like shit, and he's older than me. <laughs> Yeah, now that you say that, I, um, I I did see that quote. Yeah, that was really good. They're zoomed in here showing you the McDaniel starter, or glow igniter. That's the same one I bought. Oh, that's interesting. 
Cliff's got his uh, Reeboks, all white Reeboks. <laughs> I see that. That was his shoe, man. Well, at least it wasn't he loved, Nike, Jordans or he, something. Yeah, he loved those things. Or if he still wears them. I'd be interested. We should, uh, should call him up and ask him. <laughs> He's got that um, that car stand. I remember seeing those. I, so the Jay I never had. Uh... Yeah, Jay Concepts car stand. <laughs> Where's uh, where, went, are, where are you at here now? Are you, are you, are you, uh, I I am at fourteen eighteen twenty. Yeah. yeah. So they're gonna fire this truck up, kind of show you what's going on, but explain the fuel tank to you. How the uh, they explain that's where the fuel goes. Well, they're explaining that the how the pipe is pressurizing the tank. There's that tube that's that tube that's sticking into the Mm -hmm. to the pipe, and that's pressurizing the tank. And I don't know why they call it this, but those these gas tanks are called chicken hopper style (laughs) fuel tank. Oh, chicken hopper. yeah, chicken hopper, and it's it's something to the effect of where the fuel pickup is inside the tank, and then that it's pressurized. Hmm. And for some reason, they call it chicken hopper. So now we got Curtis firing the thing up, Cliff left-handing the CS2P radio. It's like Cliff had a pit guy on the street. I wanted that radio so bad back then. Yeah, the CS, man, that was it. <clears throat> the chicken hopper tank uses a demand and feed principle. There you go. Uh, and it's small. I don't know if this is true with RC, but uh, I just Googled chicken hopper gas tank. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the engine draws fuel from the small tank, drawing the fuel level down until the vent, until the vent to the large tank is uncovered. I think that some of the principles there are is applying to the RC tank, but I don't know that it's... Yeah, probably not the same. Yeah. Well, watch along, yes. folks. We are at the... Uh, <laughs> we're at the 1650 market. Well, that's where I'm at. So. Yeah, 1633 is where I'm at. But, um, yeah, so maybe we'll... Uh, Check out some of those questions we had. We've had a qu- quite a few races since our last podcast. When was our last one? Uh, a few months ago. All right, uh, Jason. What are your thoughts on <laughs> what are your thoughts on the tire prep that is necessary to compete in ten scale off road? And that's from our good friend Rob Sturgill out there in Colorado. It's a good. It's a good question. That's that's a damn good question, Rob. You know what? I'm gonna throw it to Jason to answer it for you. Um, I don't know what kind what kind of answer would you like? <laughs> yeah, there's there's there is two ways to look at this. I I think I've tried to. There's a lot of tire prep involved now. Well, there's. I mean, to be honest, there is always tire prep. Right. It doesn't matter when you raced. It doesn't matter where you race. There's tire prep. But it's, uh, we but just it's ran like our. It's gotten really uh, a lot worse here, or something. From what uh, well, yeah, I'll, I'll explain. But <clears throat> some people are taking it a little too far. But we, you know, we've talked about this on a couple shows where uh, a couple of years ago the Testaments kind of took it to a level that was um, 
really just kind of a pain. And then since since then, some things, depending on the surface, you have to do these things at the top level to to compete. But the tires dominate these cars and all the cars. So if you're allowed, anytime you're allowed to work on the tires, there's always going to be tire prep. So it's just what kind are you doing? I mean, we just ran a carpet race where um, – you know, tires are pretty simple from a additive standpoint. There is no additive. You know, we don't use it. And but there's there's uh, the tire games. There are you know, do you run them new? Do you run them used? How how many runs do you go be- before they're not really fast anymore? Uh, those are all the things we go through uh, on that side of it. Um, what Rob's referring to is where, you know, racing now is essentially on, when you race on dirt indoors, your tires are, you're, you're running them so low of tread that they're almost slicks or at a lot of tracks, you're just right all you're all the way on slicks. Um, and that's the past couple of years uh, we've been out on the on the the dirt indoor track racing tour that's essentially where we are we're either at um, very very low treaded tires or you're on a outright slick tire and when you get to those to those levels you know guys then it's about you know, you can try different tire sauce, you know, there's, but that's where people sometimes get a little lost because with tire sauce, I mean, we've used liquid wrench for years and that's been, you know, probably the most preferred tire sauce is the liquid wrench. Mm-hmm. And they just hit that part in the video where Gene gets excited because the truck flamed out because they changed the setting just like he wanted. Um, so, so the tire sauce is one of them, what kind. But I'd say over 75% of the time we're still using liquid wrench. And then the other times we're using, uh, there's uh, FDJ sauce, which is Frank Denny's stuff. Um, so between those couple items... Those couple sauces, we're kind of using those all the time. So, but besides that, you can do, you know, now people are doing a lot of heating of tires. So it started off where the Testmans were taking their tires into the parking lot in the summer and they put them in the rental van with the heat on and they would just let the tires sit in the rental van with the heat on in the van just to try to warm them up because, you know, the tires they were using was, they worked good when they were heated and sauced. So they'd put them in the tire bags and let them heat up. And then it kind of transitioned to where if it was hot outside, you could put them out in the sun and just let them heat up. Then it got to where you could heat them up in the pits with either like a heat gun or, you could run them on the drill to heat them up. Just all kinds of different tactics, I guess you could say. Um, 
Recently, we ran a hobby action. We, we, we run slicks there. And um, much more had some tire warmers. So uh, Mayfield, Cavalry, Spencer, none of the guys uh, had the much more tire warmers for off-road, which, you know, you commented on that because you said, hey, I remember when we had these on Trinity. Yeah. Yep. You're like, yeah, we sold these for touring car on Trinity, which it's the same thing. It's just they're, you're heating the tires, uh, you put sauce on them, you, and then you put the warmers on them, and, and you get them warm. And what, What's interesting is about all the tire games is – there's a lot of like voodoo or a lot of like uh, you can think that it mattered because it's just a psychological thing. I mean, I remember we were at the Desert Classic and Mayfield ran a race or a practice session where he went out with his car. He did all the things that he needed to do with his with his tires. And he went out, and he's like, man, I don't like the way it feels. I'm just going to charge it again and go right back out and uh, run again. So he did, and then he's like, he's like, yeah, my, my car's dialed again. He's like, I didn't, I didn't heat him up. He goes, so there's some kind of head games with yourself with all that stuff too. But there, there are truly some benefits, but I think it's important to realize when – you know, there is a a benefit or not. You're not just going through all these steps because you see somebody else doing it. You've actually tried it, and you know that you have to do it, right? Right. Correct. So I, so, so I think what, what Rob's talking about is that's kind of what he's referring to is, um, you know, these type of things, the heating and the um, sanding of the tires and, I think in general you can still go to OCRC, you can mount up, you know, whatever the hot tire is, you can go out and drive about three or four times on the track and using the sauce that everybody recommends and buy your, you know, third, fourth battery pack, the tires are broken in and ready to go. Um, But what guys have done over time is they don't want to wait three or four times to drive them, they want to they will try to sand the tires on a drill so they don't have to break them in on the track and they're good like on the first run. But so there's a lot, there is a lot of games, but I think it's the important thing is you can minimize a a lot of those steps by just, you know, kind of concentrating on what really matters and what really doesn't. But this is another thing like we talked about earlier in the show where people know a lot of information because they see it on the internet or they see a photo and it turns them on or off. Like they saw photos of Cavalieri's or Mayfield's car with tire warmers at Hobby Action and they're just like, oh, this is bull crap. You know, this is stupid and what's happened to my off-road racing. And um, But they but they don't – but they also don't remember – they don't – they weren't there for the whole race and – you know, hear Mayfield say, well, I don't know if it really matters if I heat him up or not. You know, so it's like they weren't really around for that. They just see the pictures and they say, oh, I don't want to do that. But what I've noticed is also a lot of people that make comments on the Internet, they haven't raced for like 15 years anyway. So it's like 
you know, I tell people all the time, I'm like, I, I was mounting new tires to go drive in a qualifier in 1993. You know what I mean? So it's like we're not using any, you know, we're still using, if you're running a big race and you want to do well, um, and their tire in a track requires new tires, you run new tires. The biggest thing now is these days you can actually you can run old tires. That's it's actually hmm. probably you know um, less expensive at times. So, man, uh, I, for some reason I think we, I think I remember we ended up marketing those tire warmers under the Kinwall brand eventually. Maybe. Late 90s, early 2000s, did we use them in off-road? There was probably a time where I'm sure he tried it. Yeah. (laughs) There was a real, um, I would say 1999 and 2000 was kind of the nosedive of 10-scale off-road racing. And really, <laughs> what had happened is we did a lot of racing on slicks, and it really kind of killed it. Um, touring car was coming out; it was popular, and uh, eight scale became popular all at the same time, and it kind of really hurt ten scale off road. Kind of stunted it. Um, and it took a while. Came to about you know 2005, 2006, and then 10 scale off road kind of started coming back again, a lot better. You know, right right around when brushless came around. Yeah. But now we're at that point again where the cars have gone really you know technical. The surfaces are difficult again. You know, running slick tires or we're running carpet and. So I think that we're in a little bit of a stagnant area in 10-scale off-road right now because of all that. But like we talked about earlier in the show, there's a lot of a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, how we market these things now and how we're building it. You know, we just talked about watching a video telling you how to do it. Came with the kit, how to be a novice and how to get good or how to prepare your stuff, and now we just. Assume everybody knows everything. So, yeah, that makes it makes it kind of rough. But yeah, in general, I think that the tire stuff you can simplify it. There's some stuff that is a little out of control about it, a little bit. Um, it's too deep. Especially at these indoor dirt tracks, I think is probably the is the most difficult to manage. Actually, they go into a video here of of, the, of a race. I'm actually in this race. Oh. <clears throat> yeah, they they must have at some point remade this video, putting in some more current. Footage and kind of showing the trucks in action a little bit. Where am I at now? What video is this? I'm still on the GT one. Oh. 29.50. 29 minutes, 50 seconds. It's showing a uh, gas truck race at the ranch pit shop. Mark Pavitas is in the lead. Kinwald's in second. 
I just happen to know this because I apparently I was in this race. Because huh. I was pitting for you. Well, here comes Mark for a pit stop, and Curtis is pitting him. I actually think that. Wow. That was a pretty. <laughs> These guys are so like the trucks look so messy. <laughs> we got Mark, Kinwald, and Richard Saxon battling. God, that truck looks like a mess. <laughs> things look funny. Back then. These things worked really well. So we're never going to see this class back, huh? I don't think so. Man, it's crazy. Crazy to think about that. It's like what's amazing is how small this track looks now in the video. So I was saying about the tire stuff is I think there's a couple different ways to look at it. <clears throat> like when I talk to Spencer about all this stuff, he just completely disagrees with me. Mm, does it? He thinks he thinks that he believes that he wants to do this the stuff. He says it's just a part of racing. He feels like to him that um if you want to be fast and you want to be good racing, good at racing, then you have to you have to do what it takes to be to be a racer. And he's like, sure, it's, it requires work. You have to do things. But he's like, that's he's like, you're racing. You know, that's the way he looks at it. Yeah. And he's and he's an age range kid that would be typically getting bashed on because he doesn't want to do the work, right? He's the, he's the millennial or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, you'd figure he'd say screw it. Yeah, he's the kind of you would think he's the age where he would. Wouldn't want to do the work, but he he wants to do the work. Well, he's a patriot uh, man. No days off, man. <laughs> and there's also like Jackson Brunson and these other guys that right. you know we work with. Uh, you know, AJ Marasco works with us, and there's Brad. Uh, uh, Brad works here with us, and they're all the same age. And uh, then there's Lee Setzer, he's a Florida guy, and uh, Damon Borkowitz. So we got all these guys that are they're almost all similar age and. They, they work hard. They like RC. They like to do the work. And so sometimes I think, you know, maybe I'm the one that needs to adjust how I think about some of these things. And maybe some of the other people need to adjust the way they think about some of the things hmm. and say, if you're, you're going to use tire warmers, you use tire warmers. And that's just the way it is. If you want to race something, you have to be prepared to do the work. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the way he kind of – that's the way Spencer feels about it. I, I I tend to agree to a certain extent that I know, but I know that that's not the normal. So I don't want to be negative, but I realize there's a lot of people that feel like um, – you know that feel. I know already going into it. There's going to be people that they're going to use that as an excuse. Let's see. Was I in this race? They're coming off the driver's stand. There's uh, Billy Easton. There's the King, Austin Dvorak, Mark Pavitas. This is a Ron thirty-three forty-one mark. I'm at Ron Rosetti. Yeah, t 
talk over their winning race strategy. I've never seen this before. I love going back in time. Oh, I didn't see you come down off the stand. Yeah, I, I know. That's my truck in the pits right there. Or no. Richard Saxton getting interviewed here. Hmm. Um. Yeah, so I think there's sort of a balance there. I do agree that there's some things that are a little, um, probably a little too difficult, and they're going to deter some people from wanting to put in the effort. But I do think there is a, a is a side to a lot of these things where people have to be prepared to do the work that is necessary because this it's not you have to you have to work hard at it so that's something you got to get used to right away if you're going to race anything it's going to require a certain amount of effort it's hard to just you know uh, pull a car out of the back of your trunk and not do anything and accept and think you're going to win But you know, I feel if you know if we were racing in the perfect world, to me we would be racing outdoors, and um, the sun would be shining, the track would be big, birds would be tweeting. He'd have he'd have pretty good traction, and he'd be. Uh, to me, that's that's the best racing. But that's not everybody has that. Yeah, yeah, I uh, certainly did it. Uh, you mentioned uh, AJ Marasco's name earlier. Uh, don't uh, go over to Race City RC Podcast. Our good friend uh, Justin Doyle started a uh, new podcast. Go over there. Uh, you can listen to an interview you did with AJ. Race City RC Podcast should be everywhere by now. iTunes, Spotify, all those intro webs. All, all the yeah, all that stuff down there. So all exciting stuff intro. for uh, Justin. Starting his podcast up. Good job, bud. Yeah, he loves, and he's another guy. When I talk to him, he loves. He doesn't mind doing the work. Yeah. Um, he he asked me a lot of detail information, and I you know I try to either know what it is or find out for him. And a lot of people are surprised, I think, because they feel like when Mayfield runs some of these races, they feel like he is doing so many different tricks to go fast. And the reality is, is I would say that he's doing less than most. Um, and it usually comes from the fact that um, Spencer is a little different here, but Spencer, if he knows something is really good, he wants to start his very first practice run with that. He's like, tell me, Whatever we think is going to be the best, you know, whether we're cutting foams, gluing foams, saucing this, doing that, I'm going to do it all for the very first run because he wants to start with what he feels is the best setup. Whereas, like, a Mayfield, I'm not going to say he starts off a little more lazy, but it's almost a calculated lazy where he feels like, let me – I want to be able to go somewhere. Like, to, I think for him, he feels like if I pull out every trick in my book for my very first practice run, where am I going to go? 
I have already used every trick I have. So um, if you go out and you run the track and you have used all the tricks in the book and you need to improve, then where do you improve? Hmm. Whereas I think he feels like, I'm going to go out, I'm going to get a shakedown, I'm going to get a run feeling just without doing any of the tricks, the extra work, the, you know. And then he goes out, he sees how his stuff feels, he compares his speed with whoever the fastest guy is, and he says, okay, look where I am now by not doing any of the tricks, and now I'm going to build up my speed. I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to take one step at a time. I'm going to take one step at a time. I'm going to do this next. And I don't think this is a... uh, something that he's thought about and he actually it's like a strategy it's just to me it's the strategy that i've picked up on that kind of happens for him um and uh, and i whereas i think um some people they can't stand not starting off with what they think is the optimum setup Whereas I think he's like, well, let me just go drive and see how it feels, and then I'll just work from there. He doesn't, and then that's he works from that point, and then the further and further, or the where you feel the pace is from there, then you that's where you start your work point and go. Okay, I'm two tenths of a second off per lap. Okay, now let me start working, and then. Then he's like, okay, uh, you know, little shock rebuild, diff rebuild, a uh, little little bit of tire help here. Hmm. Let me go run now. Oh, okay, look at this. Yeah. Now, now all of a sudden I'm right on the pace, you know. So then he come back, say, okay, let me pick a little bit at this area, try a little of this, a little bit of wing stuff here, try this, and you go out and run again. And pretty soon you're like, ah, now I'm a ten- now I'm the fastest guy, and um, now you have some confidence, and now you can play around a little more. Whereas when you start, I think, the other way, you kind of work almost backwards, where you start with all these tricks when the track's probably not at its best. That's the other thing to consider. You know, the tracks always get better. So if you start with all your tricks when the track is the worst, and then you're trying to gain speed you're kind of backwards. So I think that's the way that you got to approach a lot of this stuff. And I think that's where sometimes people get scared. Like we're talking about earlier, people get scared online because they know all this stuff and they say, well, if I don't do this and I don't do that and I don't show up like this and they like over, overthink it all. Yeah. Just and when the reality is, if you go out and you drive and you get the laps in and you're consistent and you're pretty good at it, you can claw away at a good result, um, you know, by doing it a little bit at a time. So it's almost a little, it's more of a methodical approach um, and, and, and having confidence in your abilities. I think sometimes people have a little, they're maybe not real confident in their ability, so they... Um, you know they're they're kind of panicking. <laughs> There's a lot of panic at these races. Panic. The other person I don't remember if I mentioned that he 
He'll do anything it takes. All the work is Jackson Brunson. He's, um, he's, and he's right driver, in, by the way. And he's right in that age range, 18, 19, 20 years old, where you would think there, these are the guys that don't want to do the work. Oh, these are the millennials or whatever they are. And, um, what the hell is a millennial? What state age range is that? Uh, but these guys will bust their ass. It's uh, 18 to 35. A 35 year old is a millennial? That's what it says here, sir. Damn. <laughs> what are the birth years for millennials? Are born between night. What? This it says wrong. <laughs> Millennials were born between 1982 and 2002. The one I got says 1981 to 1996. What the hell? I guess I can't trust everything that I Google, right? Generation X, 1965 to 1980. So that's that's us. We're supposedly Generation X. How is Millennials 82? I don't understand any of this. Now it got me going down these generation rabbit holes here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. I thought it was like 2000s to like now. Yeah. Little did you know you're somebody who's 37 years old and they're still a millennial. That's strange. You don't want to do anything. You're a millennial. It's like, man, I'm married and I got three kids. Yeah. You're one of those millennial kids. I'm 37. That's strange. Yeah. yeah, I learned something new today. But yeah, anyway, these kids, they're, they're busting their butt at these races, and they love it. They absolutely love it. So yeah. um, So did we answer Rob's question? I guess so. Yeah, we kind of did. We kind of... <laughs> uh, we danced around. Yeah. We, 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 uh, we kind of got into it directly. We got into it uh, uh, indirectly. Sturgill's a good guy. Yeah. He's uh, one of those one of those good guys out there on the internet. While you're uh, while you're pulling up another question, I'll take up I'm gonna take a break. Jason taking a break. In the meantime, uh, I'll remind you guys to head on over to patreon.com slash radio impound. Uh, thank all our patrons for support that they've given us and I've been running a some contests, giving away some things. I got the WWE 2K19. Um, uh, we're giving away J Concepts hat. And, I'm back. Uh, oh, he's back. All right, well, I didn't finish. How the hell with okay. guys then? Uh, now you can, you can continue to give it away. I'm giving away a vintage uh, Ryan Mayfield autographed tire because I think okay. it's, I think it's from when he was with the. Uh, oh, maybe this is 2017. So no, he. This is Yokomo. Yeah. All right. It's not that vintage, I guess. It's a year old. Well, two years old. It's good stuff. That, uh, I'll run that. Uh, I'll run that uh, probably tomorrow, which is Thursday. Mm-hmm. Giving that away. I found a J Concepts hat, and, and I was going through some stuff. It's a J Concept fitted hat. That's the good stuff. Why does it say flex fit, but yet it has sizes on it? Flex, flex fit stretch. Oh, okay, stretches from six and seven eighths to seven and a quarter. Okay. 
Yeah, that, that hat is about... <laughs> it's probably five years old, maybe. I'd say we've had at least three trucker hats now, I believe. I like that two. It's a nice hat. It doesn't fit me. Actually, the Chili laid them all out the other day. <laughs> he, he, he laid them all out on the internet. He had every J yeah. Concepts hat oh, wow. we've made. Um, so we actually have to reference that. Right. Chili, he's uh, going to reference some things. So, And Jason sent out all those prizes. So if you guys, uh, I know you guys received the prizes already. I got some photos that I posted. But please, if you receive a prize from us, take a photo with it for me. I know some of you guys are camera shy, but uh, it's really good if you take a photo and I can put it up there for you on our Facebook page and uh, prove that we're giving these things away. Really helps. Really helps. Yeah. Patreon.com slash radio impound. Thanks to all the supporters. Alright. There you go, Jason. That's my plug. Jason's back from his break, and then we have another question for him. Yeah. Let's hit it. Did you see yeah. the picture I threw up there on Facebook? It's from that uh, RC uh, Kirby posted it earlier in our chat. It's uh, the, uh, what do they called him? Rad Max? Rad Max, yep. And he, he, he will be on the podcast, too. He, he's offered to, yeah, he said he'll be on the podcast. Oh, my God, I didn't know that. I should have saved that for that. <laughs> That's cool. Yep. Oh, this is awesome. Hmm, exciting. I didn't know he was still involved. Well, I don't know that he's involved in RC, but... Um, a, f- a friend of ours, Dan Wyatt, reached out to him and uh, told him about you know J Concepts and everything, and um, told you know talked about you know this the podcast stuff, and the guy oh, said he would be he'd be willing to to do it. Awesome. So I f- I friended him on uh, Facebook and Invite I just got a page. Tell him that like the page. He's gonna probably I wonder got... why is my picture on there now. I'm not on the show yet. I didn't know he was going to even be on the show. That's, that's exciting news. I'm I'm really excited. Yeah, he said he would do it. That's awesome. Wow. All right, uh, this is from good friend John Bolton. With the J Concept Spring Dirt Oval Championships coming up at the Hobbyplex, do you see other manufacturers eyeing this to measure the interest? The Dirt that, Oval... That... The Dirtable side is growing. Do you see Associate and Losi taking interest in this market? You know, I was at um, when I was at IOCC this year. I kind of mentioned it to Frank Root, and you know, I he didn't seem too warm on it yet. Hmm. Okay. Wow. Uh, he, he he gets it. He does get it though. Uh, He's he's pretty aware, uh, you know. Everybody sees very similar things. Um, I don't think that we've reached the part where TLR and Associated are making a vehicle yet, specifically for that. Um, I think it's still going to be a little while. But, yeah, that's just kind of an assumption on my part. 
<clears throat> I wish it was, you know, I wish it was a little different. Maybe they, but like we talked about before, it's a big commitment. You have to have somebody that is constantly in that that genre. And you know, honestly, I think it might be better off without those guys entering it. To be honest. Mm. Um, I think that it's probably doing well and growing. Um, right now, and it's it's almost better because it's able to kind of grow um, or exist being a little bit under under the radar. And if if you start making you know, the Associateds and TLRs and these companies start getting involved and they start throwing their best drivers out there and it's going to kind of ruin it for a lot of people. And it, the, the, <clears throat> the changes will, will happen faster and um, there will be, there would be a benefit to, you could get a, a probably a pretty competitive kit out of the box much cheaper but it almost seems like these guys don't really care about that. They're okay with kind of piecing these things together or buying a custom works or one of the other vehicles. They're a little more expensive, but they're okay with it. Um, and maybe that's a little bit of a secret to the success is that when you get everybody jumping in something, yeah, there's, there's a big boom and there is a big excitement or a, a burst, but it kind of wears off because you put all these really good drivers and uh, the, the teams out there, and it, you know the way we do it in some of our other races, and it it, it kind of has an in inverse effect over time. Because, yeah, if we – so I don't know. I'm just saying that I don't think we're to that point yet, which is probably a good thing. It's probably better for it to be a little more – it's not really grassroots, but a little more on the on the back burner. But I – what I like about it, when I went to the race and visited is I do see some potential in some classes like these uh, street stock and these others where the car can still look like a real car. Like you can make a body that's a, you know, a Mustang or a Camaro or whatever. And that's kind of what people want. They want to race that. And, um, I think that's what's kind of neat about it. I, I kind of wish that that class, those classes, would exist more in RC because I feel like that's a big gateway for most to want to get involved. Mm-hmm. Like the video we wa- I watched the other day, uh, you know, going back to Rad Max, is that video he made called RC Wheels, and I watched the whole thing. Was it last night? Allison is like going, she's like saying to me, what are you watching? 
Yeah, and I had that too I'm like, back then. I'm like, I'm like, this is Rad Max. Yeah, Rad Max. It was awesome. And you know, she's but but what when you and it just goes back again to that you know we were just watching the GT stuff. We were watching the um, the low CGTX video, right. and this video. The thing that they all had in common is they were they were treating you like you had didn't know anything, and they were trying to push you a direction that made sense for you. And in that RC, it's called RC Wheels, and yep. and in that video, he's showing you, okay, these are uh, on-road cars, these are off-road cars, these are 10th scale, these are you know, eight scale, this is fifth quarter scale. And and then they're kind of giving you some blind prices on what the different vehicles cost. And right there it's it's a great video. And when you if you look at it from a different perspective, when I you know, if you look at it as a racer and go, oh this is this is stupid. You know, this Rad Max guy's an idiot. You know, like, the way he's dressed. You know what I mean? Like, if you're looking at it like a hardcore racer, you're saying, this is stupid. I know all this stuff already. Yeah. Um, but if you kind of rewind and you and you look at it from a different perspective and you say, you know what? This guy had to write this video. Which, you, you look at the credits at the end. He was, wrote, the, wrote the whole thing. Oh, was he? And he acted in it. Which, you're acting. You know what I mean? Like, he dressed kind of like, looked like, it's kind of like a cross between like the Fonz and Mad Max. Yep. <laughs> you know, yeah, right. Hey. No, you're right on that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and but that was the role. He so he played a role, and then he um, told you what you were uh, missing about not being involved in RC and the different types of vehicles, and uh, that really doesn't exist today. Um, and you know, Traxxas does videos. Um, they've kind of got into a lot. Um, they've gotten a lot more videos lately, but they're showing you more like what the car can do. Um, it's sort of an action video, where you know, when when we started our J Concepts, we had the BJ4. Our very first thing was a video. We did a, a video of the BJ4 running, but we were targeting. We were targeting racers that already knew what was going on, just like they do today. Um, because we weren't trying to get somebody started with a BJ4. We were basically saying, hey, there was a BJ4 that you could get. Um, but this video with Rad Max, it's an intro- introduction to RC. And that's what we don't have out there is a lot of these introduction things. And... You know, and they were trying to do that back then. So they were pretty forward-thinking from that standpoint, doing these types of videos and things because they were reaching out. You know, now they, you know, they talk about how you know there's this chatter about this RCGP series in RC where they they are talking about how they're going to introduce. RC to the masses or whatever they're supposed to be doing. And it's like, all you got to do is have a Rad Max video on YouTube. <laughs> that's You're introducing RC to the math. You know what I mean? Like, that's what they did. Yeah. Um, 
it's like we're not going to be on ESPN overnight. No. You know, like we there's other ways you can do this without having to in, introduce RC racing. It's not that there's not people involved in RC. It's the racing is the niche part. That's the other thing people don't understand is if you had to measure all the RC car sales in total, like every kind of RC vehicle there is, if you measured that, there's a lot of RC action. But the niche is actually racing it, and it always has been. So it's not that people don't realize some of these things exist. It's that they don't want to race it or have the dedication like the people we were talking about before. That's the difference. Um, so, um, you know, we can easily, we could make things as an industry to just promote it. And we don't have to um, make these wild trips and, and race series between manufacturers um, in the Philippines to do it. We can do it on a much different level and have even more success. That's what I think. But um, what was the question again? I don't know. Where do we start with this? I have no idea. No, but there was a um, J Concept Spring Dirt Oval Championship. Oh yeah. Well yeah, that? we were. Yeah. yeah so that's kind of what we were kind of running around that. But you know what? In that Rad Max video, there's dirt oval racing on that video. Um. So there's dirt oval. There's off road. Uh, there's on road. Drag there's cars. Eight Drags cars. <laughs> Sprint car, everything. Everything it's, it's is on that video. Introduction to everything. Eight scale. Yeah. Um, hell, this might even be fifth scale here. Yeah, so they were introducing it to everything. They were giving you a price breakdown of where to go. Like today, you would, you would cater this a little bit differently um, because of the vehicles we have today. <laughs> <clears throat> are a little bit different but in general they were spot on with those type of videos and I think they had a big draw back then and uh, you know in that video it wasn't about um, you know the winners and losers it was the video was about getting involved and what fits you and and um you know comparisons to real vehicles too they did a lot of that you know nascar and the, the, they showed lake whippoorwill on that video yeah absolutely um, quarter so, scales here yeah which those things look like crap <laughs> that buggy i wanted that thing so bad in the magazine the the i think it's called a Rayco. okay the jackrabbit was the name of that car yeah here it is the uh, the jackrabbit. It looks so cool because in the magazine, the guy, um, I think the guy that was part of the company, he would he was kneeling down next to the car, and you're like, dude, this thing's huge. This is the coolest. Yeah. And when you watch them on video, man, they suck. <laughs> there it is, the jackrabbit. Yep. Looks like me driving around the track. Damn. 
Um, okay, let's start with our next question. <clears throat> Um. So we'll stick on. We'll stay with the dirt oval. Mm-hmm. How close is J Concepts to developing a dirt oval specific tire? Dirt oval specific tire. Uh, you know we've talked about this a little bit. Um, I think what we have a tire we're we're doing um, that's almost ready to go. We've done a little bit of running with it. We did a little bit of driving with it at the Chili Bowl. Um, it's called the, the tire's called the Sprinters. And it's kind of a, the tire is a mix between the tire that we made called the the Reflex, which we've had for 10 scale and 8 scale. And we've we've changed the outer pins a little bit in the back or uh, on the sides, so they're a little more sprint car-esque, I guess you could say. Uh, there was also a, a tire in the 90s that Losi had called the Sprints, um, and they had sort of those angled pins on the outside, but ours is a little bit like that. Putting on the Sprints. Yep. But these are the Sprinters. <laughs> but really, what we did is I we... I see what you did there. You added an R. <laughs> Good job. Um, and and these these are killer off-road tires. Okay. Uh, so they're not only are they, I think, going to work well on any kind of dirt off-road track for like outdoor type racing, um, but I think they're going to be pop- very popular in oval too because they have a good look that looks a little um, oval-esque sprint-esque and but they're also high performance so there are tires out there that are completely dedicated to oval dirt oval but i don't know that the performance is that amazing because the closer you start to make them look like the real tires i don't think they work quite as well Mm. depending on the surface of course if you have a ton of grip to begin with it's the tire. There's a little less pressure on the tire, but in this situation, uh, this is more of like when the track is loose. This kind of tire. That's what the, the one we're making. Huh. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, I know they're going to be killer uh, performance-wise, and see how they fit in with the different crowds. And obviously, we're not afraid to experiment a little bit and cater to a certain area but we 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 needed to fill a a couple holes in the lineup um and it's going to enable us to remove a couple 10 scale pin tires from the lineup because this one is going to really almost take the place of three other tires we have wow so i think from that standpoint it's going to be a really good performer and i think it's going to work well in the in the oval as well of course if the track is really mature in terms of it's grooved up and you're it's it's difficult because what i noticed at the chili bowl is the guys just wanted to run what was the best tire they it was kind of had the spencer situation right where he's like just give me whatever's the best right uh that's my that was my impression of 
running dirt oval at the chili bowl with the guys because we did testing there and the guys we tested with they weren't really concerned about it being realistic or the one that looked most like the dirt oval tire they just wanted whatever the best tire was so it was like you know it's like i could have walked up and said hey look at this tire it looks super cool it looks just like the real thing they'd be just like all right well, let's try it they'd go out there and drive and be like oh i like the other ones better it's like well these are our race tires <laughs> you know right. we're, we're running ellipses in the rear and in uh dirt webs in the front and they're like yeah that's what i like the best they're like okay well that's our race that's like our two-wheel buggy race setup and they're like yeah that works the best <laughs> so that was my impression of the test is there's two different ways to go is you want to go all out performance you're going to run a race tire mm-hmm. if you want it to look like the real thing you're going to sacrifice a little bit um for the look and I don't think – so you have to kind of go one way or another, and it depends on how – because regionally, everyone has a little bit of different dirt oval rules on what tire they can use and so forth. So um, so yeah, we learned a lot there at the Chili Bowl. We tried to incorporate it into these tires along with our off-road stuff that we needed to fill some holes uh, we got some body stuff in the works, so we kind of hope that for our race there in Omaha that we can show some of these things, and and um, which is a Spring Dirt Oval Nationals, which is in Omaha, uh, May. Omaha. Omaha. <laughs> Get the date right. Yeah, May twenty fourth through twenty sixth. So we're gonna show some things there. We have some body stuff, of course. We'll be able to show these tires and uh but the tire the tire we're going to use at that race is more like a 10 scale um off-road race tire we're going to run ellipses on the rear dirt webs in the front we're going to run dirt webs on short course and so we're going to run off-road clay compound race tires for the control tire but we'll also show these uh, new tires that we have as well that's exciting I'm excited. Yeah. All right. Uh, Pete Phillips asks, uh, the Hobby Action Raceway and SDRC guys have made some moves to change up their stock classes. Do you agree that 17.5 is too fast for a stock class? Do you think this could be a result of a big national series races having a 21.5 class? Well, it's 100% because of that. <laughs> um, yeah, I think they saw some success that we started. A, I don't want to give our, our series all the credit, I guess. Um, <laughs> because in on-road, they had tried some 21.5 racing in on-road first. And then um, they did a 21.5 class at the IOCC um 2017. So, but then this year we started 21.5 on our on our series for the off-road um, indoor national series and the the national carpet and turf series. We're doing a 21.5 class, and but that's where the interest. Once we did that, I felt like uh, Hobby Action ran a 21.5 class at their big race. 
uh, Desert Classic, and then I felt like these other tracks are adopting the 21.5 now as the motor for the entry-level class. And I think that it is good. Um, we talked earlier when we were talking about tire prep and the amount of work and all the type of stuff where I've kind of tried to adjust my line of thinking a little bit with this motor stuff because my mindset is stock racing is stupid. That's my normal mindset is I don't like 17.5. I don't like 21.5. I think it's just all ridiculous. Like I just think modified is really just everyone should just race modified, but it should be separated into different skill levels, Absolutely. let's say. But I've real I've recognized and realized over a period of time that I, I can't whatever it I think doesn't really matter. It's what everyone else likes. And if seventeen five racing is what people like to do, then that's what we're gonna do. You know, we're gonna run that on our on our races and we're gonna run that uh, at every race that we go to. So, you know, I've had to learn to adjust that there's going to be a 17.5 class, whether I like it or not. And then, you know, what I started noticing was the part that I didn't like, after I adjusted to, okay, the fact that we're going to have a 17.5, we're going to have modified, that's just the way it is. The part that I started noticing was too many people kind of laying back and still running 17.5, even though that they shouldn't really be in that class. And there's a number of reasons um, everyone's kind of got their guys that they want to kind of hide in those classes to get these wins, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whatever the, the race may be, say it's a national, say it's a desert classic, or whatever the case may be, um, every manufacturer is a little, I guess, guilty of having guys that run these classes. They don't, I mean, they're not paying for them to run these classes, but they all have. They, you know, everybody supports people that run classes that they're racing down a little bit. And what I started noticing was there was so much of that, there was no real entry-level class anymore. Because, like I said, back in the day, stock was entry-level. You started there, you moved to mod, you were the man, right? Yep. Um, but well, what, I moved to mod, but I wasn't the man. But, yeah. I, I but now, saying, right. but now, um, it's almost to the point where you know we have so much action in the seventeen five class that it is loaded with very good drivers, and then modified is actually doesn't have as well of it's not as well attended as seventeen five because. So many guys drop down at a larger event or a regional level event because that's the class they run is 17.5. And they feel the most competitive in that class. They're like, oh, I can win this. Or or I'm going to be in the A main or I have a shot. And um, the guys like the the motor games. They like the the battery games. They like the drivetrain games. And and that's fun for them. It kind of goes into that Spencer theory where if you want to do the work, you need to be able to do the work, and then you're racing. That's the Spencer theory, right? The Patriot way, right. <laughs> so um, that's how the that's the 175 class. You got to do the work. You got to get your batteries. You got to get your motor program. You got to have your car 
in order. And then um, almost like in that class, like driving is the last thing. Um, even though in the end, the, the best guy, is the, the combination of all of it is the guy that wins. But um, there's more things to worry about and, and work on. Whereas modified, it's just kind of cut and dry. Like it's like, hey, I got the fastest motor already I can drive. Um, I am what I am. I can't change my drivetrain, and I can't change my charging techniques. I just, I am what I am out here, and you either like it or you don't. Right. <laughs> you're either accepting it or you're not. And I think that's what 17.5 is. It gives you hope with these different things. So anyway, what I saw is so many good drivers running 17.5 is I was like, you know, we don't really have a good entry-level class anymore. So we introduced the... The independent class, which is intended to be no sponsors, and then you're running a 21.5 motor, which comes from um, our sponsor, uh, Hobby Wing, and Ron Schur. Uh, Ron Schur also has Schur Speed, but he's a Hobby Wing rep. He comes to the our events, and he brings 40 motors with him. We have a 30-entry limit for 21.5, and everybody gets the same motor when they sign up and they just have to give it back at the end and they're all on the same motor. So to me, and this is where I've had to kind of adjust. Now we have three classes. We have uh, 21.5 Indy buggy. We have 17.5 two wheel buggy. And then we have full blown modified buggy, which what you're really turning into is two wheel modified is for your expert pro drivers um, guys that are super seasoned and on the edge of amazing. And then you have 17.5, who are the guys that really, I don't want to say that they can't cut it in modified, but they're amazing in stock and they're just good in modified, right? Mm-hmm. And then 21.5, that's our class where you can get in and the cars are a little slower. You're not competing against the hero guy that decided, you know, that's has all these sponsors and just is there to take everybody down. That's the theory anyway. So I, that's why I see the uh, these tracks picking up this 21.5 class, and I think it's good. I think it's great for, like, Pete Phillips and these guys that haven't raced in a while. He could go to that track, run a 21.5, and the car is easier to drive with the – um, the low power and it allows you to learn a little learn a little more about everything again with a little slower car so i think this is going to stick around i think this is going to be kind of a new the new wave that's going to be the 2019 and then the the 2020 model i think is going to really revolve around having that class available and the 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 non-sponsored independent, I think, is key. Keep keep all of our top-level guys out of those classes. Just leave it for the people that are entry-level or, you know, we call it as uh, entry-level or veteran racers, right? People that have taken, you know, they're older, they took a break, or you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. our that's our goal for that class, and I think that it really. Um, there, there's something to that. There is something there. That's the long version. 
Uh, Jason has a little insight on Associated. Does it, Jason think? Jason, do you think? <laughs> do you think Associated will release a mini Truggy with the new B seventy four? Mini Truggy. Um. No. I I really don't know. I I, I don't know. I I haven't really asked anybody um, outright that question. Um, Why do I want a mini truggy? What's going on here? Well, I think what it is is we actually offer that class on our races this year. Right now, Techno is kind of the only full kit form you can get, um, and they've done very well with it. They're the only one on the market that's a full vehicle. That's a decent price point. Uh, people have. So really, what it is is it's a 10 scale truck four wheel drive. Hmm. Okay. And we talked about this before because I remember when we were when we uh, Brad Ralphs and I were working on our BJ4 four wheel drive car. We wanted to make a four-wheel drive version of that as a truck. Um, we actually looked into it, and people would email us kind of often about wanting a four-wheel drive truck. Hmm. But what people don't – well, it's just hard to really say, but they don't realize how much work that is, <laughs> how much cost there is in that for somebody like us. Hmm. Now, for Associated, there is those costs uh, obviously the same, but they have everything else. So for them to do it, I think would be pretty easy, in my opinion. And I think they should have one. Uh, if there's a racing class out there, which there is now, the people are racing them. Um I think that they should have one. Um, does the B74 uh, convert to that thing perfectly? Eh, I don't know. Not really. But I'm sure with some, you know, with their engineering team, I'm sure they could. Because I think, to be honest, that B74 is going to be a... It's a very race, high-end race-specific vehicle. It has a lot of adjustments. It has to work in different conditions. And I think a Mini Truggy is a little more of a basher vehicle right now. It has to be super durable. That's probably the number one thing. And I think they'll, they will have to make, to do it, they'd have to uh, beef up that, platform just a little bit to get the same reliability as the techno one which i mean they're perfectly capable of doing that but to me it's a little bit they're kind of two different things right now they're not really running in parallel they're a little bit skewed but you know four-wheel drive buggy that thing has to be so high performance now to be competitive and a little mini truggy is a little more like it's like half basher 
half racer. So, um, I, I actually I hope they make one. I, I think I've heard enough people say that they would buy one if if they if they made one. I think that it's reasonable. It's somewhat easy for them to do it now that they have a new platform. So, I, I think people would really uh, kind of be excited about that being available. So, wow. I, I don't know. I've never point blank asked like a Clifflet or anybody if they're going to. I just know that to me, it seems like a no brainer. <laughs> Uh, Jason, will you be covering the second annual King of the Stock Championships at New Red Hobbies? I don't know what he necessarily means by covering it. I think we're definitely going to have drivers there. I know Brad was just talking about going um, to the race. Uh, you know, who's works here for us? You know, he, he races on the weekends, and he is planning on doing it. I'm sure if AJ's in town and these other guys are in town, um, they'll all end up going. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Paul wants to go up there and just kind of be with all the guys and maybe race himself, and that'll lure in more more of our uh, our team. So yeah, I think we're gonna be there and we're gonna be we're gonna be supporting it. Nice. I mean, New Red is New Red. That track's been around. A long time now. I want to say they opened in like 03 or 04. And they've had a track uh, longer than longer than most at this point. So, I mean, they're they're they've struggled a little bit in the last year, I think, like like a few different tracks have uh, just kind of generating new people. They were they were traditionally been really good at that over the years. They've always had new people getting into racing there in Ocala at New Red. But the last year, for some reason, it hasn't been as as good there. I'm not really sure if there's any main reason for that. But um, usually, this this stock race kind of kicks some things off for them. So hopefully that. Ignites some, yeah, some good racing there again. But you know they run slicks there, so uh, you know sort of our little Central Florida area. We got New Red; they run slicks on uh, sealed dirt. We got Beach Line; they're on astroturf. We have Setzers, which is um, a covered track, but it's clay. But it's also a sugar on it, so it's like a, it's kind of like a mix between an outdoor and an indoor track. Um, and then we have Deans, which Deans has an indoor track that they sometimes run off road. They run slicks on carpet, and then the his outdoor track is more like uh, the traditional outdoor dirt track, and then Lake Park is like a traditional outdoor dirt track. So just looking at those condition tracks, there's a lot of kind of variables. It's hard to go like track to track running the same equipment. So I think that's where New Red's kind of lost out recently is 
um, people just not being set up to run slicks or something. I don't know. It just hasn't been generating as many new people, it seems, but hopefully it gets on track. I mean, they've shown over um, since 03 anyway, they've been generating people, so. Yeah. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, Jason, how do you manage to stay independent and not be acquired by these big companies out there? <laughs> huh? Uh, I don't know. No one's ever asked. Yeah, same here with the podcast. He said the uh, same <laughs> question for Gotti. Yeah, nobody's ever asked. That was well, the whole plan, though, so, to, to sell out and bro down, but uh, hasn't happened yet. Yeah, isn't that the South Park? Yeah, right? absolutely. Nobody wants this wreck. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's a tough thing. Um, there's the fantasy and then there's the reality. Mm-hmm. The fantasy is that you, you think you're doing something so great that somebody wants to give you a ton of money at some point for it. That's the fantasy. The reality is is that's not the case. If anybody ever wants one of these businesses, they're not just throwing some random number at you. You know, They're not just saying, oh, we'll give you $20 million. Yeah. Um, sounds good, right? They, the people, the people doing that type of work or, um, doing those acquisitions, they're smart, right? They say, give you what they think it's worth. Exactly. They're going to be like, (laughs) oh, you know, um, we know you think it's worth 20 million, uh, but we really think it's worth a hundred thousand dollars. That's the reality of, uh, of the world. Mm-hmm. Sure, there's the Mark Cubans or these guys that people that have gotten lucky over the years in the internet. Um, they call them tech tech companies, tech stocks, tech startups. Yeah, yeah that you know that a lot of people have been extremely successful, like the Instagrams and all these that got bought by Facebook. Or that's not how this, but that's not I. I don't see that. Um, happening that's the fantasy right mm-hmm. um but that i don't think that's the kind of business that these kind of uh, that's not the way these businesses are and um if you look over a period of years as far as i know when associated was sold the thunder tiger um you know they didn't walk in and say hey here's 20 or 50 million dollars you know what i mean they said oh this is what it's worth this yeah. is what you're in. This is what this is what you have in inventory. This is what we think it's worth. This is your building, and okay, here's the number and <clears throat> whatever it is. That's I'm sure it was really great, you know, um, for whoever bought it, um, and it was still good for the associated guys. But it's still not the fantasy. It's still the reality. Um, so you know, of course, then. But yeah, I, I think that you you're always have that out there where it's like people you know people do ask me that sometimes. Would you ever sell or would you? It's like, well, you know, it just comes down to who is it and how much is it, yeah. you know? And but you've never been, but I've never been put in that position. Nobody's ever said, hey, I want to buy it, you know? It's like. 
Um, so I, I try not to think about that. Um, I try not to think too much about that side of it because it is just a fantasy. I think in reality, because the the when you if you if you think about the reality of it, you, the only thing you can do is just keep improving and trying to make the name as strong as you can and survive the good times and the bad times. Because there is a lot of there's bad times in this too, and I think that's kind of a, we're in a little bit of a cycle. That's a little bit of a lull, I would say. Yeah. Um, it in RC. Um, and that's why, you know, Great Plains got, you know, the guy alluded to in his question about Horizon acquiring Great Plains. But they bought the whole thing, I believe, for $23 million. Um, but they, they bought a company that used to have 700 employees for $23 million. Um, so it's like they got, they got a big, they got a big chunk of the pie for for 23 million that yeah. wasn't that that they got that was the reality deal not the fantasy deal um you know they got axial with that acquisition they got arma with that acquisition they got the building that they're in Jeez. um they got their inventory they got their just you know the, the dealers they got tower hobbies um so that was a uh, that was a great move I, I felt for them uh, and, and it also makes them kind of not the only game in town but in a way um, you have aiming hobbies they're a beast uh, in the retail online sales but as far as distributor distributors you know horizon now really only has one one main competitor whereas before they were almost like 50 50 with great planes so they were able to get their top competitor um in all their brands all their names they're building you know so hmm. um and when thunder tiger bought associated but um and then uh, horizon bought team losi back in about 05 yeah. but i don't think any of those were major um fantasy numbers i mean they're great no doubt about it i mean it's not like the guys that sold are struggling <laughs> yeah but it's not like um you know it's like we talk about these sports contracts it's like it's it's absolutely insane i mean you talk about they signed that baseball guy what was it 300 million or something mm-hmm 400 and, something like that. Yeah, I mean, you think about Horizon. I mean, I think it's somewhere around 23 million. They bought a whole company with 700 employees for 23 million with all these brands and all this inventory. And you're talking about a, a big operation, and they're going to pay this baseball guy $300 million. That's a fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> it's a kid's game. Uh, you get to pay $300 million to pay, play a kid's game. It's nuts. Still singing Take Me Out to the Ball Game during the ninth inning stretch or whatever it is. You know seventh what I mean? Inning, yeah, seventh inning. Whatever it is. <laughs> it's like you're you know, they're singing kids songs halfway through the, the event. Eh, what the hell, it's all a good time. It's three hundred million dollars. Yeah. Jeez. 
It's like, who are we kidding here? Hey, this question just came in from uh, Justin Doyle. He's like, how do you do these things? <laughs> yeah, how do you do these podcasts? <laughs> nah, he's doing just fine. He's on episode three now. Justin Doyle, Race City Podcast. So there is another guy we got to beat to 200 now. Yeah, we got to make sure. He's on three. If we don't beat him to 200. We're hurting. We're hurting bad. But the, it's possible he could give us a good race to 200, let me tell you. He just starts cranking him out. <laughs> no doubt. 191, guys. God damn, we got to hurry up. Jason, record. Justin's catching us. Uh, here you go. Uh, talk to us about the tire situation at 702. What's going on there, Jason? Uh, looks like they did tech or police them somehow. Were people using any kind of sauce? No, that was just kind of part of the um, – what we did is this is what I would consider light, light tech. Okay. Um, we, we had all the tires there. And it was a control tire, had to be a certain front, a certain rear, and you would purchase them from the hobby shop, and then you would mount them, bring them to the to the officials, which was the track owner and the employees, and they would look them over, and then they would mark them with a sticker, and then with like a, not really like a signature, but kind of like a line through mm-hmm. it kind of like a mark to say like okay this has been inspected and this is this is the tire that it's supposed to be this is has the correct insert and they put a sticker on it and drew a metal like a teching mark through it and then when uh, you would go on the track they had a table uh, prior to the ramp and they would inspect that it had that sticker on it so um, a little bit like the worlds, how we how we do it at the worlds, uh, in terms of a sticker and like sort of a signature line autograph over it to say it's been inspected. The only difference is at the worlds you have to mount them in tech. So uh, at the worlds you buy them in tech, you mount them in tech, then they put the sticker on it there, and then you're free to bring them to your pits for that day. Um, and then, but you can't take them to the hotel, mm. and. Uh, here, this is more of a light tech where you have to. It gets marked and inspected before you hit the track. They look that you have the sticker, and from there, uh, it was pretty easy. It actually a carpet race is probably the easiest because you really shouldn't. Really, nobody uses sauce because the tires are super hard. You don't want them to be softer. They're actually better when they're a little harder. Crisp, I would say. And so the anybody that's saucing off-road tires on carpet it just needs to go away. Um, <laughs> it's just, <laughs> just go away. Like, just totally stop. Yeah. Like, just do it. Don't go down that road. Like, the people that, they just need to... Just kind of relax, like just yeah. Um, so all they're doing is making it worse for themselves down the road. the the, the purpose The purpose of tire sauce is to attack the rubber and alter the rubber um, to work better on the surface. 
that's how it works in dirt and on a slick tire. That's why you know they use these different methods of heating and different sauce. It's so it attacks the rubber and changes it and works better on the dirt. Well, in carpet racing, it's actually the crispness of the tire and it being a little harder actually I think is part of what makes it fast. So I don't think the sauce really affects it in the same way. Like you can't really sauce a carpet tire in my opinion, at least what I've seen. You can't sauce a carpet tire and go out and start going faster. Um, I just don't think that that's not really the direction you really want to go. I'm sure there's guys out there that think it's better because they, for some reason, they just, they can't accept not um, ruining the race for everybody. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I think in general, make it simple. Mount the tires and go run. And yeah, there the, the was light tech. It worked really well. I'll see if I have a picture of it on my phone from that event. I took some photos while we were doing it, but um, uh, we've talked about this before, but if you really truly want to have a really rigid tire tech, you have to probably have about three plus people working a tire tech for an entire weekend. Mm. So you would have to have somebody in a, in a rigid situation like a world's, you would have to have somebody in this in tech for all weekend, and all they did is look at tires, mark tires, put them in bags, keep them in a restricted area, um, only give them to you for your race, on and off. And, um, and most of these tracks just don't have the resources to you know have that many people dedicated to the tires only. Like that's, um, I think if you're running like a Worlds, I think it makes sense. But when you're doing something like this, the important thing is, is make sure everybody's on the same thing. Uh, the racers sometimes they can monitor themselves, and I mean, these guys racing each other, you know, between the the Mayfields, the Cavaliers, and um, Spencers, and you know whoever you want to throw in there, Ty Tessman they're like not going to just noticeably be cheating the tire system at a race like this. Cause there's really way more for them to lose than gain. Mm. You know, one, one thing gets out that one of these guys is a big cheater and you know, like it's just, they have to deal with it for months. So, um, you, it's uh, like the it's like the, it's a simple story is like Mayfield tell me at the Reedy race this year. He's like <laughs> somebody sends a picture to me or uh, a, a picture got sent of Mayfield's four wheel drive car from the Reedy race and it had the fan on the speed control wasn't an Orion fan. Um. It was like a hobby wing fan. And <laughs> so, so as I told Ryan, I'm like, oh man, I go, somebody send me the photo of your four wheel drive car with a hobby wing fan on it. And he's like, 
and he just starts laughing. He goes, ha! He goes, I knew I was right. He, he's like, he's like, before I even ran it, he's like, I sent a picture to my Orion team manager and and uh, one of the other guys in Orion and said, hey, I blew up my fan on my speed control and I don't have another fan, so I had to put this one on there and I just sharpied. But, you know, so he made sure to, you know, tell his people that, hey, I just, I, I have an Orion speed control, but my fan quit working or broke a blade. All that, those fans always break all the time. Not that one, but all of them. And he's just like, that's all I had. So, so he, 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 before he even did it, he showed and sent the guys and they're like, okay, cool. Thanks for sending it, you know? Yeah. And then you got then you got somebody like trying to turn him in like you know, a day a day later and he's just like aha I knew it <laughs> I knew somebody would do this to me so that's kind of like you have a lot you really have a lot to lose <clears throat> by you know like if you're going in and trying to cheat with your tires and stuff like um, everybody will ask everything that you know if you get the testaments there they will ask you everything they can do they they won't. But they won't go too far. They'll just say, "So we can do all this, but we can't do this." And they'll say, "Yeah." And then you'll they'll just take it to the, you know, and all these guys they'll take it to the absolute limit that they can go to, and then that's where it'll stop because they know if they go too far, somebody's gonna say something. And um, there you have. It. Yeah. All right, we'll close it up here. I've got uh, two questions here. Uh, this is. Uh... Uh, which arcade game would you rather have in your rec room, uh, NBA Jam or Mortal Kombat 2? Um, for me, definitely NBA Jam because I sucked at fighting games. Hmm. NBA Jam. Did you, you play NBA Jam back in the day? You know, the bat, big heads. and Yeah, of course. Um, I have a but NBA I don't, what's Jam. Mortal Kombat 2? Why not 1? Was yeah, there a Mortal know. Kombat 1? I wasn't uh, – yeah. I wasn't a fan of the series. Like I, I sucked at fighting games, so I didn't really. I enjoyed I watching both. them, but I, I, I played Mortal Kombat, the stand-up. I could never do the button combos to, you know, do all the special moves. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was the blue and uh, the blue ninja, but the blue and black. Sub Zero. Yeah. Yep. Did the slide? Yeah. Did the slide was like. That was the move, man. Um, you know who was really good at that was Paul. He was good at that game. And Street Fighter, he was amazing at those he, games. Man, he was good at games then, those uh, fighting games. Yeah, and he said he, it wasn't at first, though, because I think we might have did this story before where he he told me he was going to this arcade by his house uh, to play Street Fighter, and every day this guy was there and would just kick his ass. You know, He said he would put his money through over and over in the street fighter and the same guy would just beat his ass all the time so then he started like putting even more time in with street fighter and he said he got to the point where he cut, he had it figured out and he finally um he got you know it's like a scene from a movie almost you know and you you walk in and you're the guy bullying you kicking your butt is there and he he said he finally kicked this guy's ass and he never saw him ever again no that was it. Retired. Beat him one time, and he said the guy was gone. Never saw him ever again. 
So I wasn't that good at the fighting games because yeah, I, I just I just did the slide every time. Yeah. It's like once you figure it out, slide. Yeah, slide right across the screen like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I sucked at it. I, I bet you Kirby was good at it, though. Yeah, I like something um, I would be really good at. Um, so, Mortal Kombat so. was released in 1992, the first one, okay. and then the second one was released in '93. Oh damn! August 19th. So it's very possible we were playing too. Yeah. August. 9th, 1992, and then the other one was June 25th, 1993. I really liked the game, honestly. I I, I oh, had yeah. a lot of I awesome. had a lot of fun. Awesome to watch. Something to do and play that game though. NBA Jam though, I loved it. So I probably played uh, Mortal Kombat more than I played NBA Jam. Wow. Um, Man. The, yeah, the NBA Jam I did play, but. I would say that I was probably better at Mortal Kombat than I was at NBA Jam. Like, NBA Jam was the two-on-two, right? So you had the big heads, the guys would be on fire. Um, Like, when you got hot, like, the guy would turn on fire, right? He's on fire. Yeah, I I don't remember being very good. I remember picking the... I remember thinking that the the teams were really odd. I'm like, who would pick Horace Grant and Scottie Pippen? Like, well, those were the two best players on the team. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah. I mean, Jordan didn't win. BJ Armstrong. BJ Armstrong and Horace Grant. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know anything at that point about basketball, but I was like, <laughs> not, that I, not that I still do. I was like, I'm thinking Jordan and Pippen. People are like, That's strange. Yeah, Jordan. Like, like, well, I'm going to be Shaq and Penny. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. NBA Jam. That's where it's at. I have a banner hanging up in my garage. NBA Jam banner. Got from the rental. Aren't they re-releasing a game kind of like that? Yeah, they got all the. They got a bunch of releases. I actually think that part of the fun. I you know obviously you're in a completely different situation because you play a lot of you know, games, but I really thought that that arcade atmosphere was pretty cool. Uh, you go in there with all the different games and, you oh, know, yeah, hell yeah. people people like the, the age range of people that were in there and, um, you know, you could get your drinks and I don't, you could bring drinks in, right? Or no? Hell yeah. Sure. Yeah. So you'd have your drinks, you'd have your snacks, be freaking playing games yeah that was pretty cool i what i remember playing a lot is we kind of got on a kick for a couple years where we had a track that was in orlando called um southern hobbies they built an indoor track and paul used to drive a long ways from he lived in we'll just call it leesburg but so he would drive there. It took him probably over an hour. But me and my buddy Jeff, we could get there in like 30 or 40 minutes. And so we'd run at this indoor track. But right down the road was a big arcade, like a one of those huge ones. So that's where we spent all that time. And this was about 93. Yeah, probably 93. Hmm. Um, end of 92, end of 93. Yep. Yeah. And then we were... Uh, 
So we were going to this arcade playing. Did a lot of the Mortal Kombat. I mean, we'd go in there and just play Mortal Kombat. There was tons of games, but that was the only one. Mm. And then uh, we played... uh, Is it Sprint or Super Sprint? Super Sprint, Super Super Sprint. We played that. Um, That That was fun. Yeah. Uh, I, I like that too. I, I wasn't. I, I was really behind a lot of people because I didn't play a lot of the stand-up video games because I was like the Nintendo, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't do a lot of arcades because they didn't have one in where I, you know, live. They didn't have like a real arcade, so you had to go to Circle K or a gas station. You play like Excite Bike, or absolutely, you know, Pac-Man at like some somebody would have Pac-Man. Um, I remember Popeye played Popeye, yeah, Popeye, but yeah. So then we did this arcade, played that Mortal Kombat, and then we did the Super Sprint, which it was it Ivan as Iron Man, Ivan Iron Man Stewart's Super Sprint, I think, right? Mm, that was called big, Super Sprint, but Super Sprint was the Indy cars, but no, Super Sprint's the what I'm thinking is the off road one. Yeah, what's, what's Ivan Ivan Stewart's sprint, and it was like the little, it's basically like little short course trucks, yeah. running around a dirt track. It was Ivan Stewart's super off road. Is that what it was called? Yep. So super off road. Yeah, that came out. Yeah, super off road. I'm, I'll send you a picture. Why in the hell did we call it Super Sprint? That was the Indy Cars. Yeah, go. but we were playing the off-road one. I just sent you a photo. Huh. It's the same machine. I mean, it's three steering yeah. wheels. Yeah. I remember people saying, we need to make an RC track that looks like one of the... I'm like, <laughs> dude, not have, like, mud pits. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I sent you a link, and uh, listeners out there should go to this too if you ha- if you don't know already. Called the Last Gamer on YouTube. It's a dude over in Australia that uh, um, has one hell of a video game collection, and plus okay. he has an arcade set up in his house. And you, Jason, you have to watch this video. It's just amazing this guy's house and his setup. Um, he just had Xavier Woods of WWE go over there. Along with um, AJ Styles, they were over there visiting. He's like, I want to play. Uh, but they, he also, and I was, you know, I've been following this guy for some time now on YouTube, and he uploaded a month ago. He uploaded a video of his RC cars that he liked okay. to collect. So I was like really shocked. I'm like, wow, this dude's in RC cars because uh, gave no hint that he was in RC cars in these other videos. But boom, right there it is. So I'll send everybody. I'll put the link in the show. On Facebook show notes and uh, send you the link too, Jason. So you have three things to watch. The, the, the stuff I told you to watch about earlier in the week, we were busy. You have mm-hmm. the last gamer. You have two videos of his to watch. Wait till you see his arcade at his house. It's amazing. Insane. So go to YouTube, last gamer. Give him a sub. And uh, yeah, there you go. All right, let's get to this live. I think there was one more here, and then we'll 
close it on out, episode 190. Call it a day. Nine more to go after this. Matt Stoltz <laughs> says this is going to be the raddest part podcast of all time, but um, Matt, I had no idea. I mean, I just posted that photo because Kirby uh, posted the link to that video in our chat today. I think it was, for whatever reason. And I was like, oh man, yeah, Rad Max. And I'm just going to throw him up there today with our episode 190. So, and mm-hmm. Jason drops down earlier in this episode that we may be getting Rad Max on the show. I am mm-hmm. really dope. That's awesome. <laughs> so, Matt, this is not going to be the raddest podcast of all time. That one will be. That one will be, yeah. Definitely. We should have him on for 200. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably that's actually probably a pretty good idea. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> All right, uh WrestleMania thirty five this weekend. Don't forget to watch folks. Start to set. Uh oh. Get your WWE network up to uh up to speed there, Jason. I think I'm still a member. Oh that would be great then. You can watch it. I'm going to a wedding this weekend. Oh my god. You mean a funeral? Poor guy. Another good man going down. Where's my taps? Friend? Friend of the show? Friend of the show? Oh, there was a question there. Are you going to a wedding? That was from Sturgill. Are you going to Cody and... Uh, oh, that's Cody? He's getting married? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Cody. Is there anything I could do to stop that? <laughs> oh, pork. <laughs> Cody was a good man. Yeah. One single man. Great RC man. One hell of a racer. Yep. Had his great wife engin- in front of him. Wired a great engineer. Alright. Very good man. Alright, Cody. Well, <laughs> I guess it's too late to stop it. Well, you well, not actually, you can stop it, Jason. When they, if anybody objects to this, stand <laughs> Now, uh, best of luck there, Cody. Hope everything goes well. If it doesn't, I told you so. All right. Um, so you're going to be wearing the JC, uh, the JC Jean Tux. That's what Sturgill wants to know. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Sturgill. Oh, man. Uh, WrestleMania 35. Uh, Co- uh, do you think Kofi... Uh, wait, uh, no. Does Kofi, uh, basically, does Kofi d- deserve to push? Yes. I think it's the right time to push him. And who would turn heel, Big E or Xavier? Going with Xavier. Hmm. Those are my two questions, video games and wrestling. <laughs> well, at least they're finding the right people. WrestleMania he's, 35. He's, he's doing the right thing. WrestleMania 35. Don't forget to watch it, Jason. <laughs> Man, I I was watching some wrestling highlights. You know, Hogan Hogan's pretty good on his social media. He kind of mm-hmm. he kind of keeps you up to date on when it's a hey this date. You know, and in history, I, we did WrestleMania. It was with Andre, and then it was with yeah. Macho Man and Ultimate Warrior. Um, yeah, those are the ones that resonate with me because those are the ones I watched, right? All right, and uh, you got PNB this weekend. Yeah, I'm not I'm not going to be there, but Paul and uh, Thomas they they took off today. They brought two racers with them. 
So they're driving there, driving there now. Sweet. So yeah, big should be a big race. As usual, um, unfortunately, because of Cody's wedding, huh. uh, a lot of our drivers won't be there. Man, what a terrible! Uh, who, <laughs> what's going on there? You think Cody would have uh, said, "Hey, wait a minute here, we can't do it"? Looked at the race schedule a little bit. Yeah, what up, man? Um, something tells me the girls don't look at the race schedule when they're deciding <laughs> their uh, when they're deciding when. Damn, we already know they're who wears gonna... the pants in that family. So, yeah, I uh, yeah, no Mayfield, no Cavalieri, no Spencer. Uh, so, uh, wow, nice run, Tebow. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Jared. And uh, Joe Joe Bornhorst. Uh, thanks for going. That's not really fair to our other drivers, but, you know, uh, Jared is one of the best drivers ever, and uh, Joe Bornhorst is one of the best drivers now, so uh, more of a credit to, to those guys. All right, well, mm-hmm. best of luck to the whole J Concepts crew there at PMB. Yeah, we do have a lot of racers that are going to be there racing. We got a lot of our, um, a lot of our, a lot of our guys from Florida. Of course, that couple guys rode with Paul and Thomas, and then we got a lot of guys coming in. And um, still a big race for our drivers. Um, it's just one of the biggest races in general. So it's just unfortunately uh, Cody's wedding on the same weekend. Yeah, way to go, Cody. Uh, do, do I have Jackson Brunson at that race? You do. Oh, sweet. Team Rip. Uh, Lee Lee Setzer asked Thomas today how to impress him this weekend, and Thomas told him to get on the podium. Oh, that, that would help. So, that's that's the goal. If you want to impress Thomas, and you're not one of the other guys, get on the podium. Words of wisdom. Mm-hmm. Episode 190, folks. In the books. Done. Nine more to go. To Rad Max. <laughs> That'll be good. Nine till rad. Nine to rad. I like that. Is it technically nine, or he, or is it eight till uh, rad? Don't, don't get in the math with me. Oh, okay. <laughs> what are we? Are we on one ninety one or one ninety? Uh, we're on one ninety. This is one ninety. So, so we got nine more. Yeah. Oh wait, no, would it, no, wait. That would make it. <laughs> Nine more is is, is so after nine, after nine is is rad max is two hundred. Yeah, after nine, so ten. So yeah, but but once you're on that number, <laughs> does that count? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. On that note, I'm closing this out before I embarrass myself anymore. I hear you.